Hey guys, Ryan from Hockey Talk here, and uh, I just wanted to, you know, throw out a little bit of a, a special podcast here. Uh, I, I've been sitting on this interview uh, that we've been meaning to play for a while now on the show uh, with my cousin Brad Shaw, who uh, is now the assistant coach for the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, alongside John Tortorella, obviously. And uh, Brad, you know, an, an interesting career. Uh, he was uh, an OHL Defenseman of the Year. In in the early 80s, uh, got drafted into the NHL by the Hartford Whalers and then uh, spent quite a long career, you know, in, in numerous NHL programs, uh, bouncing around in, in the minors for some of that. Uh, when the Ottawa Senators came back into the league, he helped share the captaincy uh, with Gord Deneen. Uh, obviously, that was a, a bit of an up and down time. Uh, and then when he made his transition into coaching, uh, he you know, has had a lot of success, uh, coached in the old International Hockey League before it went defunct, uh, made his NHL debut as an assistant under Steve Ludzik with the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2001, moved on to the Islanders organization and then ended up with the St. Louis Blues uh, and spent, you know, the better parts of a decade there, uh, obviously finishing off with Ken Hitchcock and uh, decided at the end of last year's playoff run that it would benefit him to get a change of scenery and he ends up in Columbus and we all know what they've been doing uh, they've been very very good defensively Brad uh, a big part of that for sure as he ran a very good penalty kill in St. Louis uh, for the better part of 10 years and uh, yeah we've been sitting on this interview for a while the first time we went to play it the show got cancelled due to weather uh, and we were going to play it again last week and the show obviously got cancelled again due to weather uh, you know the weather lately here in, in midwestern Ontario has just been up and down uh, a lot of blizzards really crazy road conditions so uh, it's almost like Brad's been a bit of bad luck for us uh, and I just thought you know what we've been sitting on this interview for a while now it's a really great chat that I managed to have with Brad. Uh, he's a very thoughtful, uh, well-spoken guy. Uh, I've looked up to him for a long time. Obviously, you know it, it's pretty rare to to have a family member who played in the NHL and and is still working in the NHL and having uh, you know a great degree of success. So uh, you know I I was uh, happy to touch base with Brad obviously don't see him very often outside of the odd family reunion here and there throughout the years uh, his son Brady is uh, playing NCAA hockey as well and obviously uh, he's got two daughters as well who are uh, you know varying ages obviously so uh, and he touches on that and uh, Mary Shaw his wife uh, who is actually cousins with Ron Francis and hockey fans will definitely recognize that name Ronnie Franchise uh, the fourth all-time point score, obviously bumped down to fifth by some guy named Yarmer Yager now. But yeah, pretty cool, uh, you know, the the lineage of hockey in the family. But Mary Shaw, yeah, she's uh, actually a very accomplished author of uh, a children's book series called Brady Brady. Uh, the character in the book is obviously based on their son, Brady. And in the books, Brady is a young hockey player who learns lots of different life lessons, like how to share and how to make friends and everything like that. It's a very popular children's book series that uh, obviously lots of young hockey players have attached to so Brad touches on Mary as well and and the books and and how well they've done and everything like that it's it's a really interesting interview obviously Columbus this year you know if you pay attention to the standings they've been absolutely unreal in the Metropolitan they they just had their 16 game winning streak snapped uh, coincidentally by my Washington Capitals so that was pretty exciting uh, but yeah it's a great interview uh, this interview took place just before the 
that streak started uh, right around mid-November. And Brad touches on everything, you know, that young decor with Seth Jones and and Zach Wierenski, who's just been incredible, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky and and what he's been able to bring to the team and and just their overall team outlook. And he even touches on John Tortorella, of course, and. Uh, you know, according to Brad, he's he's a very misunderstood guy, and and you can see that this year with the success that the Blue Jackets are having. Uh, anyway, I won't keep you anymore. We just wanted to get this interview out there and and you know stop sitting on it because it's great content. I, I chat with Brad for uh, just over twenty five minutes here, so this will be our podcast uh, as you know an early extra treat uh, early in the week. Here we'll be back uh, this coming Wednesday. I'm recording this on Monday, so obviously Wednesday we're planning to be back and uh, have some more great guests for you but yeah here's my interview with uh columbus blue jackets assistant coach brad shaw hope you guys enjoy all right folks here on hockey talk this week very pleased to be joined by the new associate coach of the columbus blue jackets and a special wrinkle for myself because he also happens to be my cousin it's brad shaw brad how are you doing very good ryan i'm actually just the assistant coach here though oh okay the assistant coach Let's be clear about that. The assistant coach, uh, and to one Mr. John Tortorella, who has been a very popular guy in the media over his career. I mean, I guess let's start there. What's it like working with Torts so far in Columbus? Well, he gets a bad rap. I think uh, this is one of the kindest people you'll meet in the game. Uh, I, I think that his his approach to dealing with the media is... Uh, you know, is what the fans see. Uh, the, the person, the persona behind that guy is is, is such a good person, such a big-hearted uh, human being, and uh, I think that's sort of the unfortunate part of what people sort of see is it isn't really the true John Tortorella. So it's uh, he's certainly a demanding guy, and he certainly uh, expects a lot from his players on a work ethic and on a attention to detail point of view but he is also one of the most forthright and and uh and uh sort of honest guys in the game i i really enjoy working with him yeah he's been very successful obviously he's a stanley cup winner he led the new york rangers to a lot of really good records and now he's doing a great job turning around the columbus blue jackets talk about your club a little bit early in the season here you guys i mean they got off to a really slow start last year this year the complete opposite you guys have great special teams the number one power play unit and sergey bobrovsky's been lights out what are you seeing from your team early on here some of the positives well, you mentioned Bobrovsky. I think when you have a goalie of his stature, it gives you a chance every night. Uh, there's been some barrages of uh, of chances against and shots against, and I think we have the youngest decor in the league still, so uh, we'll probably expect a little bit more of the same going forward. We're, we're trying to uh, get some of the details and some of the habits and some of the technical parts of checking uh, ingrained so that they become second nature for us, but until then, you know, we're going to have to keep reminding and keep working on it. And I think when you're at that stage as a team, it's great to have a, a goalie uh, with the ability of Bobrovsky. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's given us a chance every night. And, and most nights, uh, he's been the difference. And I don't think we can ever lose sight of that. I think that we, we've got a decent record. And I, I think a huge part of that is the job he's done at that. 
Yeah, Bob, he's been really solid. Obviously, a Vesna winner as well. And you mentioned how young your team is. I mean, a guy like Alex Wenberg, he's uh, second in the league right now in assists. And then, of course, your young decor featuring a kid from the University of Michigan, Zach Wierenski, who a lot of people have as their favorite early on uh, for the Calder Trophy alongside Line. I mean, you've worked with a lot of great defensemen over your coaching career, Brad. You're a pretty good one yourself. I mean, what's it like? What are you seeing from this young Wierenski kid? Because he looks to be dynamite he makes so many difficult things look relatively easy and that's a man i shake my head every night some of the stuff he pulls off and some of the plays he makes and i think one of the biggest things he has is the the poise and composure of a much older player which really helps him get through some of the hairier parts of the game uh you know he's he's going to be an exceptional player for a long time he's He's going to do nothing but get stronger and wiser on the ice, which I don't think is a, a great thing for the opponents to think about, but uh, it sure lets us uh, sort of project out and be real excited about where he's going. He's already a, a fantastic player and a guy that we probably count on as much as any young player in the game. He's a big part of our success, and uh, not just defensively, but obviously offensively with the numbers he's put up. and. His, his contribution is a big reason why the power play is where it's at right now. Yeah, he's been fantastic, obviously, stepping in as such a young guy. He was the best defenseman in the AHL playoffs last year, and it's obviously helped him in that respect. Brad, I mean, like I mentioned, you've worked with so many good defensemen over your coaching career, and obviously you had experience as a defenseman through your professional and junior career. I mean, one guy I hearken back to in your time in St. Louis, Alex Petrangelo. I mean, what is it like? What are some of the things that you try and instill in some of these defensemen to round them out into, I mean, Petrangelo, he's become a superstar well i think uh you know petro is another guy that came in with a real high level of maturity for his age and uh way beyond his years and i think that really helped him deal with some of the the sort of the events that happen along a career where you start getting success and if you're not a grounded person and you're not humble i think it can uh, get you a little ahead of the game and get you a little off track and i i think petro's Humility has really gone a long way in allowing him to, to you know, sort of go with the good and the bad. There's lots of people that want to tell you how great you are, uh, you know, possibly you're not quite ready for it. And I think he's he's done a real good job of, of being patient with his career and letting it build and letting his game grow and not get too far ahead of himself. And it's something that, you know, we'll, we'll try and preach to, uh, to Lorensky as well. Uh, you know, he's also another guy that's uh, a real a yes sir, no sir kind of guy, just a real great uh, young man to deal with. And, you know, that's an, it's another thing that points him in the right direction and really leads us to believe that he's going to be a great one for a long time. Well, it certainly looks that way. And Petrangelo, obviously, you know, culminating with him becoming the captain of the Blues now. I mean, he's obviously had a great career trajectory as well alongside Kevin Shattenkirk there. You have another superstar defenseman there in your decor, uh, Seth Jones. I mean, this is a guy who a lot of people felt fell a little too far his draft year. A lot of people had him as the number two prospect that year behind Nate McKinnon. I mean, what sort of things does Seth Jones bring to the Columbus Blue Jackets blue line? Well, he was leading our team in minutes played before he got hurt. And what he brings is the ability to have an impact at both ends. He's, he's a big, strong defender. 
I still think he's got a lot of room for growth there, which is exciting. And offensively, he covers a lot of ground. He has good vision, good puck-moving ability, but his ability to skate and cover ice kind of reminds me of Bollmeister in in St. Louis, who I had there for so long. He's just a... He covers so much ice so effortlessly that you can get him up into the 25 minutes per night uh, and not really worry about fatigue. So he's a big hole uh, right now for us to try and fill up. He, He was playing great we asked him to be a little more prepared to start games we felt that was an area that he could he could get out of the gates a little bit better to, to start games to have more successful 60 minutes and you know we always felt uh, or they felt here for uh, for quite a while that the end of the games were great for him and and the starts weren't quite there so he's uh, sort of taken that as a challenge and I really liked how he's he's approached and and prepared for games and so it was a little unfortunate uh, kind of a freak accident there in St. Louis that uh, got hit with a skate and broke his foot. and So we're real excited about him being close to returning. Yeah, Seth Jones, a really important piece there. Brad, I want to take a step back in time to look back at, at your great career as a defenseman. Obviously, in junior, you were an all-time great Ottawa 67s D-man. Uh, all three years you played, you improved your point total, 72, 78, and obviously 82, culminating in that great 83-84 year where you guys won the OHL loop and, of course, that great Memorial Cup in your hometown of Kitchener. Uh, talk about how special that must have been, being from Kitchener, and getting to go into the historical Kitchener Memorial Auditorium and lift a Memorial Cup. Well, it was, you know, it made that whole event, that whole process even that much more exciting for me being a native. But uh, I think the more exciting part was finally getting Brian Kilray his first Memorial Cup. He had been such a great coach for such a long time. And at that point, I had had him for three years, and he... uh, really becomes a father figure for guys at that level. And I, I really had a real uh, close relationship with him and still do and still sort of pick his brain on occasion to to see how to deal with uh, the good and the bad that comes with this game. But that uh, that was a just a dream sort of uh, ride through the playoffs. We, we didn't have a lot of bumps, uh, didn't have a lot of losses, and we just sort of kept cruising along. And I was – for that level, a real powerhouse team with guys like Adam Creighton and Bruce Cassidy and Darren Pangham, Nat, and lots of young guys came in and played huge parts too. Guys like Billy Bennett stepped up and, and played big minutes for us as young players. So we had a pretty well-balanced team, and you know, I think by the time we got the Kitchener for the Memorial Cup, we had had such success going through the playoffs that our confidence level was through the roof, and it was going to be a real tough task for anybody to, to knock us off. Yeah, you guys were an unbelievable team that year. Just so everybody's aware, Brad was a first-team All-Star that year in the OHL, also the Max Kaminsky Trophy winner for the most outstanding defenseman in the OHL, so not bad at all. Then you you get drafted by the Hartford Whalers organization, which has obviously moved on to Carolina. Talk about your time spent with the Hartford organization, and did you get to interact much with some of the greats there, uh, particularly like Ron Francis? Yeah, Ron Francis is actually uh, first cousin of my wife, so... I uh, got to got to know him very well over the years there in Hartford, and uh, you know he he was a guy, a great example guy. Not a not a very vocal leader, but boy, what a great example on the ice uh, he set as far as consistency and high level of play, and the standard he he put out there on the ice was uh, was always sort of the high watermark for everybody else in the team. So it was nice having 
that type of guy on your team, you got reminded every day what it meant to be a pro hockey player and, and be successful at that level. So I really enjoyed Hartford. I, you know, I spent uh, probably half my time there in the minors in Binghamton and Salt Lake and, uh, you know, met some great characters in the game and some great character guys in the game. You know, it's, it's full of uh, both sides of the spectrum. And uh, I was able to play 15 years professional hockey. And I think if somebody would have asked how long I was playing, uh, when my career started, I never would have went uh, that that far. So uh, I was very fortunate. I stayed relatively healthy, and uh, you know, I got to I got to work and and work with and work in a lot of different situations. And I helped. I think that's helped my uh, helped my coaching career. Sort of having that exposure to so many different uh, avenues of the game. Yeah, I would certainly say so. Yeah, Ron Francis, one of the great leaders. They called him Ronnie Franchise for a reason. And you mentioned your time in Binghamton. Uh, you actually won the Eddie Shore Award as best defenseman in the AHL in the 86-87 season. So a lot of great exposure for you there as well. You move on to the Ottawa Senators when they kind of got their inaugural season back in 92-93. Uh, the next season there in 93-94, you were a co-captain uh, with Mark Lamb, obviously before uh, before Gord Deneen was named the permanent captain talk about what that was like you know the senators another canadian team coming back and being named a co-captain of a canadian franchise well that was uh a great honor uh, you know with even though we weren't the greatest team in the league and the year before we won 10 games uh one on the road uh you know you talk about uh, staying humble there was no problem with us staying humble there through that year we we uh, took a lot of lumps from different teams and from the media, and probably deservedly so. We weren't the greatest collection of players ever assembled. Uh, but we, uh, I, I think, again, it was another experience that teaches you a lot about the game. And, and uh, I really thought that going forward out of that, I appreciated wins a lot more. And I, I think it's uh, a great experience to go through. I wouldn't suggest it for anybody uh, you know, I wouldn't say it, or, you know, hope it on my worst enemy, but it was a, that was a long 200-day uh, season. Um, but the lessons there were, were plentiful, and I think that if you paid attention, you became a, a much smarter hockey person uh, going through it. And uh, you talk about how championships galvanize and bring guys together. I, I still have a lot of great relationships with the guys that went through that uh that 84 game season back then. I mean, 1070 and four is no way to go through a season. And uh, every time I run into guys from that year, uh, we we have lots of lots of laughs. And it was uh, we had to come together to get through it and weather that storm. And it was quite a storm. Yeah, absolutely. A 10-win season, that's never easy at any level. Obviously, afterwards, you move on to the Detroit Vipers of the now-defunct International Hockey League, and you even spent some time toward the end of your career before you retired uh, a four-game stint with my beloved Washington Capitals, which I know last time I saw you at a Shaw family reunion, I think that had to have been when I was about 17. I know I yacked your ear off about that. I apologize. Yeah, no, that was uh, interesting. I had been in the minors then for four years after the last lockout and uh, got a call actually from the Senators to go back. They were missing a bunch of defensemen, and I had just recently worked with Rick Dudley for three years and with that Viper organization as a player assistant coach. And they were uh, short a few defensemen. He asked if I was interested in finishing the year there. I said, for sure. And I had to go through waivers, so Washington put a claim in. I ended up playing four games there. Uh, for George McPhee and uh, 
great experience to get back in the league for a little bit, and then uh, they traded my rights to St. Louis and uh, finished my playing career there in St. Louis. So it was a nice way to go out. It was, uh, you know, it was uh, a real good experience to sort of finish that way and uh, help me transition into coaching the next year. So it was, uh, you know, again, lots of different uh Lots of different paths to the NHL, and I took a few myself. And uh, it, so it, it helps me talk to some of the younger players and some of the younger guys that are maybe going through that ups and downs in their career at at, uh, at any certain moment. Yeah, and that's got to be invaluable to guys, obviously, like the Wierenskis and the Jones that you're working with now. I mean, that first year of coaching when you jumped in on Steve Ludzik's staff with the Tampa Bay Lightning, was it hard for you to kind of transition to being behind the bench, or was it a, a smooth transition for you? Well, it's always a big adjustment. I was, you know, trying to play up until mid-August and then sort of pursued the coaching and was very fortunate to end up starting at the NHL level. Um, it was, you know, I was much younger than I was 36 years old. And uh, so guys like Peter Sobota, who was on that team, were much closer to my age than some of these guys now. Now most of the guys I'm working with are my kids' age. So, uh, you know, it helps having kids actually to be able to relate to where what some of these guys are going uh, through some of these young 20 year olds that are, you know, still growing as people, never mind as hockey players. So, um, you know, it, it helps, I think, to, to remember some of the situations, but I, you know, I, I think dealing with my kids, I have a 26 and a 24 year old and a 16 year old. So I'm kind of all over the uh, age group of most of the guys that we deal with. And I think uh, a lot of the issues are, you know, across the board, they're obviously not, uh, dealing with uh, the the fame and notoriety that goes with being an NHL player, but as soon as you leave the rink, you're a, you're a regular person again, and all that uh, all the regular life stuff comes uh, flying at you as well. So, I think it's helped me deal with some of the stuff uh, maybe away from the rink just as well. Absolutely, family definitely the most important thing. Obviously, after that, you you jump around in the IHL and the AHL, particularly with, with uh, the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks. Of course, you spend a year with the New York Islanders, and then the bulk of your coaching career, what most people would know you for, the ten years that you spent with the St. Louis Blues. I mean, talk about your time in St. Louis. You ran a lot of really great penalty kill units, good defense. I mean, you come in under Mike Kitchen. You work with Andy Murray, of course, most famously Ken Hitchcock. Talk a little bit about your time in st louis what you remember best uh probably the growth in the team i you know when i first got there we were the type of team that had to work hard to have a chance and went real deep and didn't have didn't have any real game breakers in 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 the lineup and to watch that team go from where it was uh to where it ended up the last couple of years and you start adding pieces like tarasenko's and fabry's and and pareko's and and guys like that uh, it, it became uh, obviously a contender, and last year was a lot of fun going as far as we did. Obviously disappointing not quite getting as far as you'd like, but uh, again, it was a great 10 years. That's an awesome city. I loved it. I, I, I loved the fact that my kids had a chance to grow up there or, or spend a portion of their childhood there. My wife loved it. Uh, certainly wasn't an easy place to leave. Just felt for my growth as a coach, it was maybe time to move on and uh you know, I was very fortunate to end up uh, landing on my feet here in Columbus like I did. And it's been, uh, you know, those 10 years were full of experiences, good and bad. And, again, like everything else, and, and you're learning from your mistakes and you're learning from things that go well. And 
there were so many things that we did right there uh, to get that team where it is. So lots of good examples, and it's, it's stuff and lessons that I'll take with me no matter where I end up in this game of hockey. Absolutely, and I mean, Columbus is working out really well so far, and that's good to hear. Uh, I'm definitely tracking how you guys are doing. You beat my Capitals the other night, so I was a little upset. But uh, another cool thing you got to do recently, I mean, assisting coach at the World Cup of Hockey with Team Europe. I mean, what was it like working with Ralph Kruger's staff and, and going through that whole experience that was kind of new for everybody? It was, uh, yeah, it was a team that, Nobody knew anything about even even the coaches. We really hadn't had a a face to face with most of the players up until we saw them in Quebec City at the uh, at the at the training camp. So there was a lot of uh, uh, real steep learning curves as far as relationships and as as far as uh, who was going to do what for our team. I think we had uh, sort of ballpark most of that, but until you get everybody together, you never really know for sure. So. Great experience. I thought Ralph Kruger did an unbelievable job. I, I think that the simplicity that he approached things with and uh, the spirit that he instilled in that team, I think, carried us a long way. And I, I, I think, you know, there's always the leadership in the room. I, I thought that the three main guys between Kopitar and Chara and Hosa, I, I, I can't say enough about what those three guys meant for our success in such a short-term tournament the message that translates through the coaches, through the leaders into the rest of the room is so important. And I thought those three guys did just an absolute off the charts job and they should, you know, get a lot of the credit for, for how well we did. I, you know, I think what sometimes gets lost as well is, is how good Yarrow Halak was. He was going into that final series. I think he was like a 947 save percentage. So you're going to win quite a few games and, have a ton of success when your your goalie's up around 950 save percentage, and that's a guy that hadn't played in six months too. So I, I have a ton of respect for the job he did for us, and uh, so many things bounced our way, and so many things maybe turned out a little better than what they could have. But I thought we put the necessary work in, and I and I thought that uh, I thought the fact that we kept the spirit high, I think our expectations were high, and I think that allowed us to. To, to feel like we got everything we deserved. We worked our tail off and we worked together, and I think it was a great example of uh, probably outperforming what almost everybody in the hockey world thought we would do. Absolutely. You guys shocked the world, and I'm not uh, I'm not ashamed to admit I was cheering for you guys a little bit against Canada simply because you were on the bench, and I saw that great family photo with uh, all the family and friends there uh, when you guys made the final. That's terrific. Uh, to end it off, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the family a little bit. Obviously, your wife Mary has a, a very famous book series out, the Brady Brady books, and they're very familiar to me and lots of people up here. I mean, how's Mary doing, and, and what's going on with Brady Brady lately? Uh, there's, uh, she's doing great, and uh, she's, uh, they're not putting out any new books, but the feedback and the response from the books is still very positive. It's, uh, you know, it's great to get the emails from parents that, you know, especially young boys that wouldn't read and then all of a sudden started reading, and a lot of the credit goes to the stories that she's put out, and there's a great message in every one. I, I think they're awesome. I think that the fact that we could get uh, uh, quotes from so many of the big guys that uh, recognize the importance of reading and education outside the game of hockey. And uh, I think it's awesome. I, I, 
I think that uh, there's the five book sets now that come in hardcover that uh, so many people, I, I handed a few out at the World Cup and uh, Dennis Seidenberg came back to me the next day and told me his daughter wouldn't let anybody else touch the book. She clutched it to her chest for about a day and a half. So uh, the kids that uh, know of them, love them. Uh, you know, if you, if you have somebody that you want to get into reading and you think that they're a hockey fan or a sports fan, uh, they've had such great response. So, I, you know, I might be a little biased, but I think there's one of the, the good, the, the better sets out there for sports-based uh, reading. And uh, I think it's hilarious that my son's the, the topic of, of all of them. And uh, I know he loves uh, the notoriety that comes with uh, being the Brady, uh, a character of the Brady Brady series. So uh, great books. I, I'm real proud of the job she's done. And, uh, you know, she's getting uh, a lot of... Uh, accolades accordingly absolutely do feedback indeed because the books are great uh, a ton of my friends who are having kids now read them to them they they absolutely love them speaking of brady of course one of your three kids taylor brady and caroline i mean brady obviously i, I keep tabs on i watch a lot of the games uh streaming online from the university of vermont catamounts i mean talk about how the three kids are doing brad uh great uh taylor my oldest my daughter is uh living just outside Ottawa. Uh, Brady, obviously, like you said, is in his last year at uh, UVM. And uh, like every hockey player, would like to be playing a little bit more, a little more ice time. Um, and then my daughter, Caroline, is uh, in a new high school here, so going with all the, uh, you know, all the uh, sort of growing pains that comes with come with that. So uh, all, all very healthy and happy, so that's the most important thing, and we've been very blessed that way, so. No complaints. Uh, just uh, you know, just been uh, a real smooth uh, transition here to Columbus so far. Absolutely, that's great to hear. Uh, I haven't seen any of the kids obviously in a really long time, but I remember the last time we were all together at a Shaw family reunion, and it's good to hear that everybody's doing really well. Uh, Brad, thanks so much for taking time to chat with us here and appear on Hockey Talk. I know we were trying to get you on last year, and there were some scheduling issues, but uh, it was great to have you on. I mean, you know, for me, without sounding too corny here, I mean, it's uh, you know a great bit of pride for myself to to finally have you on the show that I host up here. I mean. Uh, you're somebody I've looked up to for a very long time. Me and my brother both still have that autographed picture that you gave our mom uh, when we were both born. So uh, we, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing your stories from uh, what's been a great hockey career. And I wish you all the best going forward, Brad. Oh, it was my pleasure. And uh, thanks for having me. It's always, uh, it's always fun to talk hockey. Absolutely. Brad Shaw from the Columbus Blue Jackets, everybody. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. So, guys, that was my interview with Brad Shaw, the assistant coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and, of course, my cousin, which is uh, really exciting for, for me uh, to be able to, you know, tap into Brad's knowledge and, you know, be able to ask him questions. Uh, I love picking his brain. He's uh, obviously, as you heard there in that interview, a well-spoken guy, uh, you know, a, a great hockey man, and, and he knows his stuff. Really hope you enjoyed the interview with Brad. We'll be bringing you more great content coming up here. We've got a great interview coming up uh, this Wednesday with Nate Seeger, who's uh, an OHL guru. He's uh, worked with Sportsnet, obviously, and has lots of great articles about the OHL out there. And we're also uh, planning on having former Leafs goalie Alan Bester on as well, so it should be very interesting. Uh, thanks again for all your support, uh, all the listening and downloading you do with our podcast, and uh, obviously our viewers on East Link. Uh, thanks for watching the show and supporting us. We really appreciate it and look forward to bringing you more great content in the 
this new year of 2017. So for all the boys here on Hockey Talk, Scott Bridge, Steve Fitzsimmons, and Andy Clark, and obviously our producer Betty Uselt as well, and everybody at Eastlink, thank you very much for listening here on Blue Water Radio, uh, watching on Eastlink, and for downloading the podcast. Thanks, guys.